right. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Uh, Justin and I are back this week, knocking it around, talking uh, U.S. soccer. How's it going, Justin? Hey, it's going well, Marcus. Good to be yeah. back. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, big month. Uh, we are in March uh, 2022. What's uh, what's happening this month? Oh, nothing. There's no no events are taking place. Um, yeah. MLS starting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just qualifying for the World Cup or not. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Who, uh, who we got slated for, uh, this window that's coming up. We are away at Azteca. That's correct. And then home to Panama and away to Costa Rica. Yeah. How you feeling uh, about that window, that group? Oh, it's very winnable, not in terms of nine points, but in terms of qualifying, we've shown that we can go toe to toe with Mexico. Azteca is the next challenge on top of that, but even getting a draw there and just three points versus Panama at home is key. And I think the three points versus Panama is the one thing that everyone is counting on, which makes sense. They're the weakest of the three teams. Probably they might be a little bit stronger than Costa Rica, but we've been successful anyway. at home. We've been successful yeah. at home. We've had, at, at, you know, other than what the Canada game, mm -hmm. you know, we've, yeah, the, we've been able to score. We've been able to defend. We've had a couple of clean sheets at home. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, if we can't beat Panama at home, we don't deserve to go to the World Cup ahead of them. We lost to them on the road. Now it's our turn. I agree with that. And we're four points clear of Panama, five of Costa Rica going into the window, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's in our hands. Yes, it is. It is. Well, we want to talk uh, a couple things, but yeah, mostly on the attacking side of the ball, like who's scoring goals, where goals will come from and, you know, kind of who are some of our weak links uh, when it comes to that side of the ball. So just before diving in, you know, any injury updates or, or player updates that we should probably share for context. Um, you know, people may not know Weston McKinney will not be available this window. It's this pretty crucial uh, player. He's, he's been almost part of every single win, I think, except for once uh, that he has not been on the pitch for, for a W. Um, Zardes, it appeared, got benched, um, you know, going into his, his first club match of the season. Uh, Conrad has been left off um, as a potential. I know Gray doesn't seem to rate him, but, you know, with some of the injuries, I, I would think he's probably in the mix. He has been in uh, World Cup qualifying mix. Is there anybody else we're leaving off or people coming back from injury or? Um, obviously, Richards is still working his way back. Right. Um, we're not sure about Reyna. Um, I think Eric Williamson is one who could come back here as MLS gets going. Um, he was part of Greg's team prior to his injury and was playing well in the gold cup. So yeah. he's one to keep an eye on and then Daryl DK as well. But I think it seems like DK is going to miss the window. Yeah. Both uh, keepers that have started so far, both Stefan and um, Turner are dealing with some injuries as well. Correct. That's right. Yep. Ethan Horvath season is in full force. Yeah. Yeah. Ethan, I think Sean Johnson's probably in that mix, you know, having come off the, the, the championship win and, and been a part, those two have been a part of the qualifying so far. So it'd be interesting uh, what happens there and how that impacts, you know, our back line and Greg's confidence playing out of the back. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. There's some, some key injuries. Yeah. And Horvath has been using his feet a lot in his games with uh, Forrest. So that's been good to see. And he's not the most sure-footed. I think he's an upgrade over Turner. Yeah. But uh, it's good to see that he is being forced to play that way with his club. And obviously he's gotten a lot of reps doing that in training. Right. And uh, for uh, starting keeper got a red card. So he's out three matches. So Horvath is in starting, uh, getting, getting championship minutes right on the cusp of, uh, you know, the uh, promotion playoff battle there in the uh, championship. So mm -hmm. 
it's gonna be gonna be interesting who uh who greg calls in and then busio was out due to covid uh last window it wasn't an injury um so he should be you know assuming he's cleared and, and able to travel he should be yep. back in the mix yeah all right so yeah so on the on the attacking uh side of the ball so so our goal scoring or or lack thereof you know in, in, in several of these games you know obviously defense has been greg's kind of the heart the the heart of of his efforts like who do you see some of our weakest attacking players who has hurt us uh, from a goal scoring perspective, either not finishing, you know, not linking up well, um, you know, who are some of those, those call outs that you would want to point out so far this window that we'd want to avoid or, or potentially replace? Well, let me reframe it a little bit, but I think the guys whose spots are the most in jeopardy or sure. who are the weakest in their security would be Paul Ariola, Christian Roldan when deployed as a winger, if we're talking about the front line, Yep. Jesse Zardes and um, Jordan Morris at the top of that list. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would agree with that. Um, I, I would wonder for me, legit, uh, you know, even though he hasn't really been playing since earlier in the, in the windows, um, you know, would be another name I'd probably call out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was thinking of him more in the midfield. Oh yeah. Fair enough. Um, and, and what are some names that, that pop to mind? Like what are some folks, you know, that, that push or uh, right on the cusp of knocking a couple of those names off? Yeah, competition at striker seems to be wide open, but the one player who is banging goals in right now is Jordan Pifak in Switzerland. He yeah. is the league leader in the t- in uh, that league right now. He's put in the most goals, and I think he has three or four assists over his past few games as well. Um, you have to take all of his club accomplishments with a grain of salt, just like you do with Brendan Aronson playing in Austria. Right. It's not a Premier League level, right? But I don't think that it's that big of a gap from MLS either. You know, it's the kind of thing that we've seen from players like Zardes and what Pepe was doing in MLS. So it's, it's so difficult sometimes to compare and to translate. Well, what if Josh Sargent was playing in Switzerland? What if Jordan Pifak was playing with Augsburg, getting no service in the Bundesliga, but right. he is in great form. So he's the, the first name on my, on my mind. Yeah, he's, he's top of mind for me too. And I, I do think um, something that's under discussed is, is the psychological implication especially for a striker and a goalkeeper i feel like they're they're under so much pressure so few chances um you know like strikers are are measured by scoring goals you know and and i look no further than like josie altador moving to sunderland after scoring what like 27 goals uh in air moves to england and you could tell uh when he wore his u.s kit that he just was not as confident in front of net you know, just that that rip in the back of the net, just feeling that confidence, regardless of the competition you're playing against. I feel like there's a tremendous value there. And guys like Zardes taking months off, you know, Jesus Ferreira, um, you know, guys like that, that, that haven't played in months um, and mm-hmm. are just kind of getting back into form. Like the psychology behind that when you need a goal, uh, to me, there's tremendous value there. And somebody that deserves to be in the, the three, you know, where he starts, which game. You know, we can debate that, but to me, he deserves to be there because he's the only one uh, of the strikers. Oh, yeah. He's the most informed forward that we have in the pool right now. Right. I want to say Pulisic and Wea both have been contributing and playing well for their clubs, but we don't have anybody who's scoring goals the way Peapock is. That's it. That's it. So Pepe um, has carried a tremendous load, uh, you know, in our World Cup qualifying, you know, no doubt, you know, tremendous value to this this point. Uh, a lot of people are questioning kind of where, where is he now, you know, with the transfer, you know, we're not hearing his name, doesn't have a goal yet. You know, where, where do you see him uh, in that group of strikers? You know, is, is he the guy 
you know, that's got what three goals, three assists, I think so far, you know, leading, leading uh, the U S is, is he the guy you start in a must win game, like a Panama at home, if we don't get, you know, significant points in Azteca. I think it's between Pepe and Peacock. Um, their styles of play are a little bit different. Um, Peacock more of a finisher in the box, you know, get it in his general area and he can find a way to put it home. And I don't want to say that Peacock's not good in the holdup either because he is. He uses his frame well, his long leg. He stretches himself out, keeps defenders away, um, keeps the ball secure. Um, I think what I love about Pepe's skill set is how quickly he's able to combine. So the, Jesus Ferreira drops into the midfield deeply, takes a touch, and finds good passes. He's a good chance creator. But with Pepe, he just has that one-touch layoff where he's coming forward the wing or the fullback is overlapping and he just re um, adjusts the pass that's coming to him to perfectly play it into the path of that onrushing teammate. So yeah. it just depends on how the team is set up, but I think it has to be one of those two players. Um, you could make an argument for Josh Sargent as well, I suppose. Yeah. Talk about Sargent a little bit. I mean, he's had, you know, the brace uh, against Watford, I believe it was, um, you know, he's been playing a little bit better, but he's been, he's been out on the wing. You know, how does that how does that translate to the national team playing striker? You know, what is that skill set that he's that he's learning, you know, or, or bringing? Uh, how does that translate to the nine? Or is it like a way, you know, or somebody like that, that, that maybe we would try as a as a as a nine? In a different yeah, it's scenario? interesting. <laughs> it's interesting because the last time Sargent played with the national team, he played on the wing. That was in Honduras. And he looked absolutely awful. Right. Um, now, I think the difference is probably that it was a new experience for him doing that with the u.s and he's been practicing it and training that position now at norwich for a little bit of time um but he looks really good with norwich um he's not as clean on the ball necessarily as peppy or peacock but he works in really hard and his ability to to combine with his teammates so while under pressure while under no space to be able to make that turn or to just tap it to the next man to allow the build-up to continue uh, those are special things you know, he put it on display against Liverpool this week. He got the assist, yeah. but more than the assist, he just caused problems and he made himself useful to Norwich. So he's a player who has to find a role with the team, whether that's as a nine, whether that's as a winger, just depends on whether you're looking for your nine to be the man to score goals, because I don't know that Sargent's that guy right now. Right. Yeah. That's where I wonder, you know, do, do you try Wea up top? Uh, do you potentially slide uh, Brendan Aronson or Pulisic underneath since you're short Weston McKinney as well, you know, behind uh, and not necessarily deployed as a winger. You kind of have some interesting options uh, with some of these versatile players that are playing, you know, two different roles. I'd be curious to, to see what we'll see next window window. And I think that Greg is not going to make wholesale changes. That's the one thing we can count on is that we're probably not going to see, you know, way as a nine or someone in a new position Aronson has played centrally for the U S before, although not well. Yeah. I was um, just thinking that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but I wouldn't be surprised to see some changes just in terms of selection, like we're talking about of Peacock coming in. Yeah. Peacock. And then you're out West of McKinney. So, you know, we can, we can talk about that in a second, but you know, it could be interesting to see what his depth chart options are and, and who's available. Um, talk a little bit, you know, I think you touched on it, but like the false nine versus kind of a more traditional striker we've seen, Greg a little bit uh, experimentally in that, you know, and, and we've got different uh, skill sets in the, in the, you know, in the striker base, like what does that look like? And, you know, it kind of, kind of walk us through like where you see the false nine versus a more traditional striker role with the U S. 
Yeah, I'm not very high on a false nine because the team has a lot of players who naturally create chances. Now, the team is not creating a lot of chances. So there's an argument to be made, certainly, that we should bring in a false nine just to get more and more chances. But um, in the game that Jesus Ferreira started in the most recent window, he did a great job creating chances, but he also missed one, if not two, fairly major openings that could have been could have been goals. So there has to be balance of chance creation and then actually finishing the chance, scoring a goal. And we don't have many of those players, the guy who comes in to score the goal, to finish the play. Um, and so that's something that we need to improve on. And I think that's why it does make sense to play with a true nine so that guys like Pulisic and Weah have someone who's just finishing off the great work that they do out wide and the service that they're providing. No, I agree with that. And, and you know, we, we did score two set-piece goals uh, in the last game, but it has not been part of our arsenal. You know, like who who are even some of those aerial threats or set-piece threats from a goal-scoring perspective? You know, not necessarily the service, uh, but on the on the actually finishing it, as you mentioned. You know, who who can even provide that in the pool? Well, Walker Zimmerman is one. He's a target. Um, I think Peapock is another who um, loves set pieces. Just He just loves the ball in the air coming in his direction. Um, most of our center backs are pretty good in the air. I want to say John Brooks is pretty good on set pieces. Uh, Matt Miazga is not too bad. Chris Richards did score a goal on, for Hoffenheim this year, although he's not lauded for his aerial ability. Um, the big miss, obviously, is McKinney. It's yeah. so special to have a central midfielder who can come in and do that. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I, that's the people that come to mind are center backs, which is a little bit <laughs> worrisome when you're relying on your center backs for for a lot of your your threat. Um, you know, when you're going that deep uh, and and that few chances, and we haven't really found even the service, uh, in my opinion, yet. You know, consistently. But if we're not expecting goals from strikers, we're not expecting goals from set pieces. Like, where where are they going to come from? Who do you see as kind of the guy? Um, to help us in this window short, you know, Weston McKinney and some of the other names that we mentioned. Well, this is the reason why I do think we need a true nine because that becomes the question. It's hard to answer of who is the scorer. If we don't have a goal scoring striker, it truly just becomes a group effort of we're going to have this buildup that's fluid and it's going to lead for a chance for someone, whether that's an onrushing midfielder, yeah. whether that's a winger cutting inside and just making a fantastic 1v1 or 1v2 run. It's really just up to the team to find it. And that's why I like having that dedicated nine to say, no, we're going to create a chance and this player is going to put it away. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, obviously, Aronson is capable and he's shown that, uh, you know, we've gotten goals from Pulisic. Uh, you know, outside of that, I'm trying to think like the outside backs, you know, I know Des had, had that banger. Uh, Jedi scored a couple, you know, um, trying to think who else has even scored. Wea obviously has one. Yeah, that seems to be the answer, really, right? The fullbacks. The fullbacks are our scorers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which, again, kind of back to the center back, like, goals are goals, I'll take them, but it's a bit concerning to me from an attacking perspective that we're leaning so heavily on our back line, uh, yeah. you know, across the board for goals, uh, which is, you know, one or two players out. Yeah, um, it's not, not how you want to be. No. We talked a little bit um, kind of before the pod about the, the guy – uh, for their team. Um, I think there was an athletic article talking about that um, recently, you know, a couple months back of, we don't really in our pool have the guy for the team. Like, how does that impact? You know, I've seen, I've seen sort of people protecting Burhalter and that's like, Hey, you know, he's, he's got a decent system. They're just not executing because that's not what they do for their team. 
you know, who are, who are the guys uh, for their teams that you see um, that should be bringing that to the national team? Yeah, I think there's a difference between being the one single player in your team that everyone looks to, to provide that dynamic, like a Zlatan Ibrahimovic, where he is the focal point and being a key player, a key part of the attack, a player who bears a lot of responsibility for chance creation and for finishing chances, who, when you step on the field, you're looking for goals, assists, or at least created chances, or else your minutes are going to dwindle. Yeah. I think that's true for Christian Pulisic. It's true for Gio Reyna, Tim Weah, Brendan Aronson. That's four attackers right there who are expected to produce every time they step on the field. And I think it's that extends to the midfield as well. You know, Weston McKinney is, um, his production goes beyond the short, the score sheet, but it definitely does touch that area as well. Sure. Yeah, I think I think Aronson's a good call out. I think Pifak, um, you know, is, mm-hmm. is carrying that load for his team. Clearly, you know, he's leading the league uh, regardless of the competition, as you said. You know, I would I would have put Zardis in there last year. Um, you know, obviously the season hasn't started, but I would say he's one of you know the key pieces for Columbus's engine uh, to go. But beyond that, yeah, I don't think we have other than the names that you mentioned. You know, which is is crucial, right? Like they lose minutes immediately. <laughs> You know, they're under immense pressure, which I think is tremendous value um, to have that pressure on them. That That's where we're going to grow. That's how we're going to grow as a soccer nation. Exactly. From a service perspective, you know, there's been a lot of commentary on that, questions on that. You know, Greg says that the outside backs are kind of our, our secret weapon. They're, they're key to the attack. You know, who, who are our best crossers of the ball, providing service, providing through balls? Who are you seeing that's setting up uh, the team for success from the attacking side? I think Jedi is a pretty good crosser. I'm thinking about him coming in from the left-hand side, and he's used to just smashing crosses in for Fulham. He does it and uh, gets some assists for them in the championship. I don't think that Dest specializes in crossing. He will send in that low-driven ball um, that is really good sometimes, but I don't think his crosses are super successful. Um, and I don't know that we have another player in the pool. I guess Brian Reynolds is one. If you're focused on just this one yeah. attribute, I think Reynolds has a really nice cross. I think Shaq Moore might be the one, one of the best in the pool. Now he's not playing right now. And, you know, there's reasons not to include him. But for me, from from career standpoint, I think he's been one of the more dangerous guys. I think Yedlin's capable. Um, you know, he's shown that he's got a, a sister, too. Uh, in the summer and, um, you know, but yeah, I think, I think we're pretty limited, honestly, in my opinion, from mm-hmm. that standpoint, um, as well as set pieces, right? Like who, who are danger guys from, from a set piece delivery standpoint. Mm. And one other name I'll throw out with the crossing is Joe Scatley. He does have a couple of nice deliveries for Gladback this year. Well, that was earlier in the season. Fair. On a set piece, Gio Reyna is the clear, obvious choice when we do have a free kick in a dangerous area. Ultimately, I'd like to see us use more of our free kicks to look for teammates in the box, as opposed to always having to go for goal directly from the kick. Um, After Reyna, we don't have a lot of great free kick takers. Busio is another one. Acosta has been lauded for his deliveries. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know about Acosta necessarily taking shots toward goal as much. I don't think I've seen that from him. Um, There's a couple of of technical players deeper in the pool, like a Julian Green and Emmanuel Sabi that I've seen score really nice free kicks, but those guys are further down the depth chart. Yeah, I'm not I'm not keen on Pulisic taking any more <laughs> set pieces, honestly, at least to, to this point. It doesn't seem like it's been a strength. When you look at a couple of those names, like Acosta, Busio, 
um, you know, obviously Reina, but would you think about moving one of them into the starting lineup based off of that skill set, based off of the ability to add set pieces? Like, is the gap between Adams and Acosta so big defensively against a team like Panama that you're like, oh, we can't, we have to have Adams on the field. They're dangerous. Or do you say, I, I think Acosta can handle the load. I think adding his set piece capability, do you think about, do you consider swapping somebody in that adds that element? It's part of the calculation, but I don't think you make the decision just on set piece delivery. Um, if Gio Reyna is healthy, it makes the problem a lot simpler. Yeah. Um, but looking back at some of the previous windows, I think Christian Pulisic took a lot of flack for his set piece delivery. And on rewatch, a lot of his crosses and free kicks actually came into good places. We just couldn't get ahead on it or we couldn't put it on goal. So I don't think that there is a sheer drop off from Pulisic free kicks to Acosta's. Fair enough. Yeah. I guess the results are part of it for me. The two that come to mind were like the free kicks outside the box that he just sailed over yes. the goal. You know, those are the two that, that kind of come to mind. I was at that yeah. um, Canada game and it came like right into our section. It was like, Oh man, like we needed that one, you know? <laughs> yeah. Pulisic does not get to take direct free kicks to goal anymore. That no. doesn't get to happen. Yeah. If he's going to, to send it into the group of teammates in the box. I'm, I'm for it. Yeah. So looking a little deeper to kind of central midfield, you know, McKenney was immensely valuable uh, on the attacking side of the ball. Like where, where could we expect goals to come from? Like what are the, who are the eights uh, that would bring value to either scoring? I know you mentioned Busio service, um, you know, Costa potentially his service, uh, but where, where else could we expect goals to come from centrally? The only player that comes to mind besides Gio Reyna would be Eunice Musa. Musa goes on some really fun attacking runs in La Liga where he has been steps away or just a block away from some sports center top 10 goals. Um, I don't necessarily see him doing that with the U S just because of the different role Greg has the midfielders playing. He's got the two eights playing so wide, almost hugging the sideline. Um, but Musa is the player that comes to mind. Yeah. What about Luca or somebody like that? Like where, what, what, what value did they bring on, on, on that side of the ball? Uh, you know, obviously he's strong defensively, but you know, what do you see him bring into the pool or others, you know, in that depth mm -hmm. chart legit, you know, has scored a goal. He scored a goal for the revs uh, this weekend. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he was historically one of the biggest contributors on the U S uh, team from that position in the attack. You know, where do you see yeah. a couple of those guys in the pool? Yeah. Legit <laughs> is nice in the final third. He arrives in the box. Well, and he typically finishes cleanly. Historically, I think I would have rated Leggett over Luca in that one attribute of just the ball is rolling to a player at the top of the 18. Do I want Luca or Leggett to try to finish it? I think I would take Leggett a lot of times. Yeah. Obviously, Luca scored a beautiful chip this past week. So I don't want to take that away from him. But the main things we get from Luca, I think, are ball progression, both through his aggressive dribbling forward and through his progressive passing and his defensive pressure as well. I think he does a great job for such a small player and one that looks like he could be that other players could be physically imposing their will on him. He does a great job making a nuisance of himself. So I don't look to Luca to score goals, but he is capable of playing the final ball. Yeah. I'm actually, you know, I never want Weston McKinney not on the field, but I'm actually extremely intrigued by a Luca Musa, you know, dual eights. Like I think their skill set could really complement each other very well in a way that would disrupt, you know, where, where Musa could carry the ball forward. 
bring, you know, draw uh, Panama potentially in and forward and Luca unlocking, you know, kind of their back line as, as they sort of draw forward, you know, with his, you know, lethal passing. And um, it could be really intriguing with a speed merchant like, like Wea or, you know, even a Pulisic or Brendan Aronson, just kind of that work rate with Pepe in front, you know, or Pifak. Uh, hopefully, you know, one of those two kind of there to dunk the ball. That's the hope. Yeah. I can't leave this discussion either without talking about Dwayne Holmes. Um, it's almost become a meme that Greg Velasquez on the Scuffed podcast is always referencing Dwayne Holmes. But I've seen some clips from him recently, and I'm hoping to clip him in the games he has coming up this weekend and Monday. Um, he's such an interesting player. Um, I saw the term McKenny adjacent used for Dwayne Holmes. Um, he's much smaller, but very athletic, um, very shifty. He can um, unbalance the defender, stop and go, loves to dribble, um, can push the ball past the defender. Um, he has crisp, progressive passing as well. He can just zip it on to the next teammate. Um, I think that Dwayne Holmes is the logical next player after Musa and Luca. if we're talking about ball progression. And if we're talking about that ability to make a difference in the final third as well, because he's played as an attacking midfielder, for um, Huddersfield, he's played as a winger and also as a box-to-box eight. Um, going back a little further, he's even played as a defensive mid and as a, as a fullback, but he's been all over the field. But that skill set he has, the dribbling, the balance under pressure, the composure, the physicality, and his defensive range as well, those things really look good in Greg's system. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I'm, I'm, he's one that intrigues me. I was a big fan of Williamson. I was bummed. That, mm-hmm. that he got hurt. I don't know that he will be healthy enough and, and kind of fit enough to, to really make a contribution this, this March. What other names are kind of on the periphery for you um, from a winger forward central midfield, again, kind of focus on the attacking side, thinking from a goal, like we need a goal. Who, who are you pulling in, you know, to be able to pull off the bench to, to get a goal for us or, or support our scoring? Yeah, we've touched on Peacock and Sargent um, touched on Holmes in the midfield. Alex Mendez and Timothy Tillman are two that come to mind. Um, Tillman's a really special dribbler and he can find some nice passes to open up the defense that those um, unlocking the door passes are Alex Mendez specialty. Um, I've been really impressed and encouraged by Mendez growth in the Portuguese league this year. And I think he's a step down from the others in terms of the MMA aspect of the midfield, the actual, physical tenacity, the defensive aggressiveness, some of those things. But if we're looking for someone to open things up, which is so often a problem for us, it's different than that Luca De La Torre role. Luca's so good picking the ball up from our center back and bringing it into the final third. Mendez is really good for that killer pass, that bit of incisiveness that we so often lack. So he's another one that comes to mind. And there's some wingers on my list as well, but go ahead. Yeah, who who are a couple of those names? I know Conrad's been benched, so you know some people may be low on him. He did score a goal and had a corner kick that turned into a goal uh, in Europa qualifying, I think it was. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Conrad is one for sure. Um, and I think when we're talking about a player being benched, um, it's at it's at Marseille, right? Yeah. So then, if we're going to say Conrad's benched, he's not getting minutes from Marseille, therefore. Paul Ariola leapfrogs him in the in the depth chart, or Christian Roldan leapfrogs him in the depth chart. We have to ask, okay, does that is that because Ariola and Roldan would be getting time at Marseille? Right. Because right. um, I don't think that's the case. But um, it's a question of whether his skill set is one that's going to be useful, and whether he's in good enough form to be able to actually use the skills. Um, the second question is open. 
the first one I think has been answered. He's an elite dribbler and he's been creating chances well for Marseille when he does get on the field. Um, his technique is really good. And even in his first World Cup qualifying appearance away to El Salvador, which was not a, a fantastic or a magnificent showing, you could see that ability on display and you could see how two or three defenders would start to come to him as soon as the ball arrived in that area because they were ready for him to dribble and take on the first man and even the second man. And that ability to be a magnet, to bring the defense out and then be able to take a touch and unlock someone else, whether that's the overlapping fullback or to drop it back to the midfield where there's now an advantage, that's something special. And players like Roldan and Ariola simply don't strike that fear into CONCACAF defenders that they're going to create something. I, I would love to, even if it's a friendly or something, see him, Pepe Wea with MMA behind him. Like I, I think he is so well suited to that collective group with his skill set to unlock, to open things up, to, to draw defenders. I think he would open up a lot. I don't, you know, El Salvador, I think how many guys, like seven, eight debuts that game, you know, Sargent was, was not in great form from a finishing perspective. You know, there's some, some missed opportunities there. They were still learning the system. You know, I don't think it was a great uh, debut, but I do think he, his skill set suits extremely well. Uh, to that athletic group. Um, and I'd be extremely intrigued to see him come off the bench with that group, you know. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, <laughs> it's difficult to weight a player's overall ability, one versus the other, to say Conrad is a better overall player than Ariola or what things like that. But I think it's easy to say in this specific area of dribbling, right. um, going at a man 1v1 and creating with the ball at your feet, Conrad is special in our pool, maybe yeah. top two, top three. Yeah, Reina and Pulisic, you know, kind of kind of probably clear, but but he's right there, mm-hmm. you know. In that yeah, well, maybe as well, maybe he's top Fair four. Enough. Fair enough. Um, but there, with with an unlimited roster size, you can bring a fifth winger or a sixth winger, whatever it is, and have him be this specialist. And that's something that I, we haven't done enough of in qualifying, but it's okay to recognize that some players fit different situations and game states better than others. And that they could be really useful. Yeah, I know. I agree with that. Who else is on that list? Does, does you know, a Giochini, um, you know, who else is, is kind of right there in that, you know, what, five to eight, you know, assuming, let's say, Reina's out, potentially, mm-hmm. um, you know, who, who else is in that list for you? Yes, Nico Giochini's next. He's been a consistent player this year in Ligue 1 for Montpellier. And he's never looked bad with the USMNT either, yeah. um, whether that's at the nine or on the wing. Um, he's, he's good technically, he's good physically, he plays quickly. Um, unlike Conrad, Jokini doesn't have that one facet of his game that just jumps out at you, right. but he's a very solid all-around player. I remember being really impressed, impressed with his hold-up ability in the 1-0 win over Qatar in the Gold yep. Cup. Yep. Um, we got the late goal, which he created on a fantastic run and a 1-2 that he ended up playing to Zardes for the final touch. But once we got that goal... He had several, I want to say three or four different moments of keeping the ball and really frustrating defenders trying to take it off his feet. Yep. Yep. I think Matthew Hoppy, um, you know, he got in uh, this week uh, at Mallorca, you know, he's, he's, he's on the cusp, he's on the edge. Um, to me, he's got that like Dempsey snark to him. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I just think we lack, you know, maybe McKinney has a little bit of it. I think pool six got it in him. Um, but, but Hoppy just consistently kind of has that grin that like, you know, no nonsense, like does somebody want around, you know, uh, in a game that is a must win in a, in a needed moment. And I felt like Gio Keating, he had some big moments at, at big times, like when we needed it, um, you mm-hmm. know, and, and has not 
looked bad in a U.S. jersey, in my opinion, um, so far that he's got his chances. I agree about hockey. He has an edge to him. He's not tearing anything up in La Liga right now, but we've seen just how good he can be with the U.S. Um, and I think he is a great case study for what does an average La Liga substitute performance, how does that translate to a Costa Rica or yeah. a Panama? Because if I'm Greg Berhalter or if I'm the defender for Panama and I see Hoppy coming off the bench in the 65th or 75th minute, I'm groaning. You know, he's a player that's fun to come onto the field late, can add a spark, creative. The only other player on my list is Kevin Paredes. He has yet to play for, Wolfs for Wolfsburg in the Bundesliga after joining from DC United. And he seems to be seen mainly as a wingback, but we know that he has really good attacking skills and he came through DC United's academy as a skillful, tricky winger. He's another player where if it's situational, if it's off the bench, I can see him really causing problems and wreaking havoc. Sure. Yeah. He, he had a late season injury, if I remember right, too. Like he had to leave or it was at the U.S. camp. It was in December um, and had to leave for a couple of weeks. So I wonder if some of that may be kind of lingering as he's getting his training up to speed. I'm not sure. Yeah, he had both. He had a late season injury, came to camp, got hurt in camp. Right. So it was a rough, it was a rough time. Um, one other on my list um, on the wingers is Paxton Aronson. That's maybe a more of a more of an edge shout. He might be might be a little bit further down the list, but I just love what this kid brings. Every time he gets on the ball, he's so saucy. He creates, he plays quickly, all these things. I think he probably lacks in some of these areas that we look at for Ariola and other guys where the defensive side, I don't know that he's necessarily going to um, do as much on the defensive side of the ball as like an Ariola or even a Joachini, because I think Joachini's defense is strong as well. But I, I love Paxton's creativity. Yeah. Justin, you and I have gotten some grief, you know, over, over the years, you know, especially probably the last year about like kind of debating fringe players or, you know, like why it's important, you know, as you brought up on, on Conrad, you know, I think, you know, looking at two goalkeepers being down and us going to third string, you know, I think defensively Greg's done a good job of, of building out that depth. I would say at least centrally uh, with the center backs. Like I think I could probably interchange as deep as six um, that now have experience. You know, we look at a uh, Jonathan Gomez on the outside, like, you know, he was in that camp briefly, but really hasn't been integrated. Um, you know, Bello a little bit, um, you know, I think right back, we're a little bit stronger, but as you progress toward the attacking side of the ball, like we're, We've, we've seen legit not even get a kit, you know, uh, get a number. Roldan looks to be kind of decommissioned. Why are those fringe players important to integrate early on? And, you know, like, you know, kind of some of the things that you talked about, like Mendez and others, you know, like we're probably not going to pull them in in a must win. You know, why why does that matter? And, and are we seeing that now uh, that 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 was important, you know, earlier in this in this qualifying window? Yeah, it's not the most important aspect, right? The most important aspect is how a coach takes the most talented players in the pool, the Gio Reynas, the Pulisics, the McKennies, and uses them and how he, um, how the team looks with those top 15 or so players. But I do think it's a good thing to talk about the fringes of the roster because that is the area where the coach can make a difference. Um, there's no USMNT manager who's leaving Gio Reyna or Serginho Dest off a roster. Um, a lot of these roster decisions are locks. They are, chosen by default. And so when we're analyzing the roster specifically, okay, here are the list of limited names that are in for a window or for a camp. I think it's a good thing to focus on the, the players who are specifically a manager's choice. You know, 
Brooks Lennon was a manager's choice in the last camp. His name was not in ink for any U.S. manager. And so it's good to be able to see um, who is going to be our option when injuries strike or when players get worn down or when the unexpected happens. And also, specifically with Burhalter, we've seen reports that it takes players multiple camps to get the least bit comfortable in his system. And so there is this onboarding time. And so if it takes a player two or three camps to even get up to speed to where he can play well in the system, then it makes so much sense to be investing all of the call-ups and investing the minutes in players who are going to help the team to be stronger and players who ultimately have a shot at improving what we can do in a World Cup, not just in a Gold Cup, not just against CONCACAF teams. Of course, qualifying is the ultimate goal right now, but with every roster, with every selection that a coach makes, the World Cup should be in view. So we talked about kind of a lot of uh, a lot of players, uh, the depth chart, you know, can we get it done? You know, we got we got three games. Uh, we've got a four point lead on Panama. We've got, you know, five on on Costa Rica. I think Costa Rica has to run the table. If we win at home with Panama to pass us, you know, obviously mm-hmm. the Panama game, like do we have enough firepower uh, to get it done? What does that look like? You know, what do you see? How many points do you see out of this window? Oh, we have plenty of firepower. That is definitely not the question. Um, I do think that we'll get it done. I think I could see four to six points out out of the window, and it could even be more. You know, if we get a draw or a win in Azteca and then carry through Panama, the energy and the positivity in the team going down to Costa Rica will be massive. And so a lot depends on those first two games. Um, But I think I think four to six points is a safe is a safe call. Yeah, I think I feel confident that we can draw one of those games. We played strong defensively, even away. Um, you know, we were not leaking tons of goals. There's been some errors, you know, obviously, but we're not leaking goals, and we've had a strong showing at home. Um, we've got guys like Christian Pulisic, Nwea, Pepe, Pifak. Um, you know, we still have a Luca De La Torre. You know, I know we're missing Weston, but you know, even if, even without Reina. Um, I think there's enough firepower there and uh, look forward to uh, chat more in a couple weeks uh, ahead of the window. Yeah. And I think what, if, and when we do quality qualify, I feel like I do still have to say, if I think there will be a massive celebration, which 100% we're, we're, we're back, you know, we missed it last time. We didn't make the world cup. So it's right to celebrate. On the other hand, it should be an expectation, yeah. especially with how far our talent pool has come. So it's interesting to be able to have that duality. Both things are true where, yes, it's great to be back. Yes, it's also fair to expect more of this team. And it's fair not to just be, oh my goodness, we took what is clearly the best talent pool in our region and we managed to make it in third, you know. The, the fact to- that we will be relieved is scary. Like the way that the schedule was set up, we should not have brought it to this window. It was set up lean on the front end, you know, like this was some of the toughest games and we still still expect results <laughs> on the back end, you know, um, of this, but I agree with you. Like the expectation is, is been raised, but I'm still going to be relieved. <laughs> oh yes. Oh yes. It will be, it'll be awesome. All right. We'll give, uh, give Justin a follow and, uh, we'll be on, uh, here in a couple weeks, hit uh, subscribe on the, uh, YouTube channel and, uh, look forward to talking to you, Justin in a couple weeks. You too, Marcus. Take it right. easy. Take care.